Now, the word comes from The word comes from the Greco-Roman culture, from apostolos, which means sent one in the Greek. And it's a culture maker. You've heard this, some of this will be repeat for you, but I need you to understand it. And if you've already heard it, then put it in your heart so you can give it to somebody else, all right? So if you're not the student today, become the teacher, all right? All right, so the apostolos is an apostle, was one who was sent ahead of the fleet, bringing the culture in to another territory. For example, in the Roman government, how many of you know that Rome took over the then known world? There was a saying that the the, the sun always sets on Rome because it reached into all the worlds. And the way they did that is they would take over countries. And what they would do is when they came to take over a country, they would allow the citizens of that territory and city to remain and stay, but they would transform their culture into a Roman culture. And so the apostle was the one at the head of the fleet when they were coming in to conquer a new nation and conquer in new territory. The apostle was the sent one with the culture. The sent one took the culture of Rome, if you will, into the new territory. And when they captured that territory, they would then establish Roman, uh, the Roman economy using Roman money instead of whatever money that they used in their economy and finance. They would change the language if it's in uh, northern Africa or if they're going into Asia. They would change the language of the city-state into Roman, Latin, right? And, and they would speak the language of Rome. And so they were culture makers. They brought the culture of one uh, area into the next And so, that's what an apostle does. He brings the culture of one uh, community that he's from into invading the next. Now, who is the greatest of all apostles? Jesus Christ. Because he came from heaven to bring the culture of the kingdom of God into the culture of the earth. And so, that's what an apostle. He is the sent one, right? So at sundry times and in diverse manners, times past, God has spoken to us through the prophets and forefathers, has in these last days spoken to us by the Son, the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally, God's Word put on flesh to tabernacle among us and to bring heaven to earth. And so He is the Apostle. And so He's commissioned us to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth as well. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is the chief apostle, the chief sent one, so that he could bring the culture of the kingdom of God. Do you remember what John the Baptist was supposed to do? Isaiah tells us that he was a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, right? Now in the Old Testament, that was prophesied by Isaiah. And the word Lord there is Yahweh, the name of God. So John the Baptist was to prepare the way of Yahweh. Prepare ye the way of Yahweh. So when John the Baptist was speaking in in the desert to those people in Jerusalem, he was crying out, prepare ye the way of Jehovah or Yahweh. And who was that? Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. And so Jesus came. And John would say, repent for the kingdom of God is near 
is at hand, right? Jesus said, prepare you the way. He said this, for the kingdom of God is here. Because the apostle brought it. Jesus being the chief apostle. And so that's what an apostle does. He brings the culture of heaven to the place. And he builds and he imparts that culture into the earth. And so we then see the apostles of the Lamb. Jesus, the apostle of God, established 12 apostles, did he not? And he called 12 uniquely as the government of God. 12 is a governmental number. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles. Who was in that original crew that took off? Judas. He was part of the 12, but he was chosen by God for a specific reason. And so they are called the apostles of the Lamb. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 14, and it says this as John's looking at the city of God. He says, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb were written. So when we get to heaven, we're going to see the new Jerusalem, and in its foundations we'll see twelve foundation stones, and on those twelve foundation stones are the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So they're a unique set of apostles because they were chosen by Jesus and they were commissioned and sent by Jesus to be the foundation layers of the new covenant, the New Testament. Now they had to replace one of them, didn't they? And we see in Acts chapter 1 that Peter says, the Lord has uh, spoken to me and discerned that we need to replace Judas, who's now dead. And so they drew lots, didn't they? And they had to decide who could be an apostle of the Lamb. And so in order to fulfill the restrictions of being an apostle of the Lamb called by Jesus, there were two two points that they had to fulfill. One, they had to spend three years listening to the teaching of Jesus. And the second is this, that they had to be a witness, eyewitness to the resurrected Lord. And so they picked two and drew lots and Matthias is the one who fulfilled that 12th position. Now, we don't know a lot about Matthias. We don't read much about him. Well, we don't with some of the others, do we? But they were still foundation apostles, established and sent, commissioned by Jesus to go forth. Now, I used to teach, and I I used to believe that Paul was that 12th replacement, that maybe they acted in haste. But they were led of the Lord to pick Matthias, and by lots, God chose Matthias. I'll get to Paul in a minute. But the 12, and the reason that it was this 12, including Matthias, is because in Acts chapter 6, even before Paul's conversion, it says, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not a reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Remember, there was the dispute between the widows, the widows of Jerusalem and the widows of the Grecan Uh, Greco-Roman world, uh, all Jews coming together. They felt slighted and getting their meals, and so they were complaining. It's the early church, right? The church gets together and people complain. So, interesting, they knew to pick deacons to minister to the people's needs, and it says, and the twelve gathered. Now, by reason, Paul wasn't even met by Jesus on the Damascus Road at that point. So the Bible solidifies that the 12 included Matthias, and these are the apostles of the Lamb. Foundational apostles, who are they sent by? Jesus himself. 
And those 12 are restricted to uh, having sat with Jesus for three years and saw him in the resurrection. Now you have another classification of apostles, and that's the, found within the ascension gifts. It tells us that when Jesus ascended, the book of Ephesians tells us, when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to the church. And those gifts are fivefold apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What are they to do? To equip the church or equip the saints for the ministry, for the function of ministry to the world. And so we have a group of apostles that are established through the ascension gifts. How long are the gifts of the Spirit to be with us? Until Christ returns. Paul says, I would not have you ignorant. I don't want you to fall short of any gifts until the return of Christ. And so the apostle is an office gift given from the, from the uh, uh, ascension of Christ till the return of Christ. And this fivefold ministry office is valid today. Paul would be in a perfect example of the ascension gifts fivefold. And that's where Paul is placed as part of the New Testament church and the fivefold gifting, one being an apostle. All right? So, God gave apostles to the church. We should have apostles today. But we don't talk about apostles, although it's, it's more popular now because people are realizing that God is restoring these gifts to the church. How many of you have heard of a pastor? You've heard of pastors, right? In the West, pastors, pastors are everything. Right? That's the only position that we give people, pastor. Uh, we, we do have evangelists. Evangelists came about, and we, we know that we have evangelists. Of course, we see teachers, right? And it was a long time before we would ever consider prophets. But you look throughout church history, you recognize there are prophets of God called to the church to call truth out and to speak direction to the body of Christ. And now the office of apostle is being restored and reconsidered because, you know, if God had a design on how to mature the church and grow it up into full stature, you needed all five elements. And the church ignored three main ones. We always kept pastor, teacher, pastor, teacher. You had people that were apostolic and you had people that were prophetic, but they couldn't find any place of ministry unless they became a pastor. So you had a lot of people that were pastoring that were not pastors. They were prophetic, they were apostolic, but they couldn't find a way to minister unless they were a pastor. And so what God has given us is this fivefold. I shared it with you a couple weeks ago, and the, the aspect of the fivefold is that this is the DNA of Jesus. Deoxyribonucleic acid has five components to it. So does the DNA of Jesus. He is the apostle. He is the prophet. He is the evangelist. He is the pastor, shepherd. He is the teacher, isn't he? This fivefold ministry is in fact the very DNA of Jesus himself. And it's been given to the body because it's the body of Jesus. And in Ephesians 4.11, it says that we are to grow up into the full stature of the image of Christ. That means we're not to be children anymore. We're not to be baby Jesus anymore. We're not to be little teenage Jesuses. 
Teenage Jesus is over. That was, I think, during the Dark Ages when there was a really bad complexion. (laughs) We've cleared up. But we need to walk in the full stature of Jesus. That would mean that the full DNA has worked its growth in us to manifest the nature of Christ in the body of the church. And that would be essential. But how's that going to happen if we don't have the foundational unit of the DNA? This is a, I believe it's called a helix. Am I right? Okay. So if you'll understand the helix, the strand of a DNA carries the nature and the identity of the person that it is. All the characteristics and traits. And that's done because there is a spine to the DNA, and you can see it here, that holds the rest of the ribonucleic acids to it. And that spine is essential because that's the apostolic. That's the foundation by which the others operate and move. And so if we're just finally getting back to recognizing the necessity of the apostolic gift to the body of Christ, we're finally just getting to a place to allow the DNA of Jesus to fully manifest. We've been crippled, if you will for years. And so this is what's essential to understand that of the apostle. Now, God has told us in 1 Corinthians 12 that there is an order to this. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then he goes on to express uh, gifts and healings and the miraculous, which we, we, we would see in helps and administratives manifest in the gifts of pastor and evangelist. So first is apostle. Why? It's foundationally based. What we've changed the role of an apostle into is a missionary. That's probably the closest thing that we could identify an apostle because what does a missionary do? Right? We send a missionary into a foreign country to bring the kingdom, to bring the gospel, and they teach and they preach and and establish it. But we're also hung up on this argument of titles. I'm not going to call anybody an apostle. There's only 12 apostles. They're not apostles. And that's why I explained to you the role of the different categories of apostles. Yes, there were first 12, only 12 apostles of the Lamb. But then through the ascension gifts, there's the office of apostle that God has given. All right? And so this is important to understand what an apostle does. Let's look at the function of an apostle. The fivefold function of apostle is that he's a culture builder. So the sent one goes and he builds. He, he's a foundation. And he imparts. That means he births. The apostle knows how to birth things. Knows how to start things. Ha, ha, and many of you are going to find out that Well, let me put it to you this way. We all have the DNA of Jesus, don't we? If the Spirit of God is in us and we are born of God's Spirit, then you have the DNA of Jesus. So if you have the DNA of Jesus and the DNA of Jesus is the fivefold, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you have those aspects in you. And they begin to manifest in you. And so if this fivefold is given to the church so that it would grow into full stature, what do you think an apostle would do to equip the church? It would teach apostles. What would the prophet do? Train prophets. Does this make sense to you? And who are they training them out of? The body of Christ. 
So where are we going to get apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? Us. So we have this in us. So I'm going to be teaching on the apostolic and something's going to stir in some of you. You're going to recognize that that is the strength of your DNA of Jesus. I know apostles in this audience right now. I could call you out because I see and I know how you act and how you move. You move very apostolically. Why? You know how to birth something. You know how to impart to make something grow and to begin to function. Others of you are going to go, well, that's interesting and that's necessary, but you'll find you're more prophetic. And that's fine. That's good. Move in that. Some of you are more pastoral. You're nurturers. You're shepherds. And, and some of you are teachers. You, you, you teach knowledge and have impartation. Some of you are evangelists. And what's typical of all of this is you're so passionate of what that is, you think everybody should be that. I've run into this more times than not. And that's great. You know, you, you put people in those assignments, right? So you put people in the realm of evangelists and, and then they yell at all of you because you're not evangelists. And you all should be, right? Well, we all should be part of this fivefold. And then the prophets, we've got a great prophetic group, right? So we're wondering why everybody else isn't a prophet. It's like, you know, move in your gift and flow, but recognize the fivefold. And an apostle will. An apostle won't try to make everybody else an apostle. An apostle will understand the beauty and the value and the harmony of the fivefold because they work with it because they're the base of it. So an apostle knows how to impart. An apostle, he can give seed to birth something, but an apostle goes further than that. He then equips what was birthed so that it can be sustained. This is essential. This is very apostolic. Because we've got people who love to start things, but don't sustain them, right? Now, we've seen this in the apostolic. Again, we don't give that title because we're, we're skittish about titles. And of course, people with titles think they're all that. That's a real problem. And it's really contrary to the gift of apostle because an apostle is a servant of all. But you'll see this all over wherever you go, apostle so-and-so, apostle so-and-so, and they arrive in their cars, and they got their armor bearers, and they got people serving them this and that, and they come in, and they do their thing, and then they walk out, and no one can touch them or talk to them, because they're the apostle. <laughs> and you're not going to see that character in Paul or any of the other apostles, and you will never see it in Jesus, will you? He came to serve, and that's an apostolic heart. He sustains, he equips he leads. He's a servant leader. He leads. Something needs to get done, he'll start doing it so that someone will come along and say, let me do that so you don't have to. That's apostolic. He births the work. He's not afraid to see that it needs to be done. Let me just give you a classic example. I was arriving a couple weeks ago to church. My wife and I, were, we, we park over here, and we were coming into the church, and it was snowing. And, and as we approached, someone else came up to the church. It was a woman, as a matter of fact. Someone else came up to the church, and uh, the, the sidewalk hadn't been shoveled yet. And, and uh, she said, Pastor Tim, where's the shovel? I said, what do you mean? 
She said, well, I'll clear this off. So she went through the doors to go get a shovel to come back over here and shovel. Now that's apostolic, why? She saw a need, she was humble enough to do it, and she went to find out how to get it done, and she started the thing, and she finished it, unless someone came and took over. You see what I'm saying? And that's service, and that builds, and that's the apostolic, and that's what is essential in the body of Christ. It's the spine that holds the fivefold. So he's a culture builder, or she's a culture builder to impart, to birth, equip, and sustain. So the apostle appoints and makes room and establishes the fivefold gifting. He's the spine of it. So an apostle understands that I need to get an evangelist here. Right? An apostle understands, I'm building something, we're going to build a church. As we build the church, he doesn't have to take credit for everything. He's mature enough to know that he can't do everything. So a good, healthy apostle, you'll see, is surrounded by other workers working with them. It's not a solo show, right? And so an apostle will say, you know what? You have the gift of prophetic prophecy. We need you to speak to truth, to keep an eye out, be a watchman on the wall, because while I'm doing the labor and at work trying to care for the whole thing, that's an apostle. He cares for the whole. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you can walk into a room and see that what needs to be fixed. Some of you see it and you look in and you go, oh, and you, you just notice the whole room. I think I would have put those tables over here and the lighting over this is not that good and boy, we gotta get the food service better and all this. You're just, you know how it should run. Right? And you know how to transform it and you say, oh, well, that person's in the wrong position. But you're humble enough to say, I wonder if they need help instead of criticize. Right? See, this is the combination. You know what? Everybody wants to be a boss. You know, I, I experienced something uh, a couple months ago, four or five months ago, and uh, I, I walked out in front and, and someone was kidding around with me and, uh, and, and said, so what's it like at the top? And they were kidding around. And what came out of my mouth, I was surprised. <laughs> it just went, <boom. laughs> Because I felt the weight of what he said. He said, well, how does it feel to be at the top? And I said, at the top, I'm at the bottom. And I meant, I carry the weight of everything. I'm not at the top. And, and so you understand that you carry the weight of how this thing is going. And you sustain it, and you feed it, and you equip it, and you're humble enough to know you can't do it. So you have to appoint, and that's what's apostolic. You begin to work with others and develop the others, and you equip them to do what they do, and they're prophetic. So you get the prophet to be the watchman on the wall, and then I need an evangelist to start gathering people. Right? I need someone to guide this ship, all right? So the captain, he's, he's steering the ship, but he needs a navigator. Right? So I need the prophetic to navigate where we're going. In fact, that's what we're doing. Right now we're in a, I'm preaching and teaching what our prophetic team had prayed about in October and November to speak into what's going to be this year, and they provided that, and I'm just going to take the wheel and present it. And so I, I've got someone guiding us, and that's the prophetic. And so the apostolic's going to set up the base and foundation for the prophetic to give guidance. Now we need to get someone, right, to gather so I need those evangelists to come and gather. 
So I'm going to need people on the front lawn this summer gathering people in. I'm going to need people gathering those from other parts of the community and gathering people into the body of Christ so they can be fed. And as we watch that, I need some people to shepherd. I need people to care for the flock. And as they're caring for the flock, we need to impart knowledge. Our people uh, suffer for uh, perish for a lack of knowledge, so we need teachers to give knowledge. So we need to develop teachers and need to do that. And that's the apostolic, and you're concerned about the whole, and you watch that, and you care for that. It's called parenting. Right? All of you have been apostolic. Now, some of you struggled with parenting. You really weren't good at seeing the whole. But you worked at it, and you labored at it, and you developed it. Now, the character of an apostle is one of humility. And so he walks in humility. He has this gift. He sees it. He doesn't need to take honor on it. Listen to what Paul said. He's, he said, I'm a chief of sinners, the least of apostles. Now, this ascension gift apostles, it wasn't just Paul who was an apostle. Barnabas was called an apostle. James, the brother of Jesus, was called an apostle in the Bible. So we do have the 12 foundational apostles of the Lamb, but we then have, which is further proof for the office of apostle, after those 12, we have the ascension gift apostles. James is named one. Barnabas is named one. Paul is named one. And they're not the 12. So therefore, there must be a category of apostle, right? And so that's us. We're in that realm. And so we're seeing it, and we're moving in it. Now let's listen to Paul. Paul said this about himself. In 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul said, Even if you had 10,000 teachers or guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. And what was Paul's desire as a father? To shape Christ in the people. That's apostolic. To impart, to nurture, and to grow to the full stature, Jesus in in us. And so that's the work of an apostle. He said, there are teachers. We've got tons of teachers. We don't have enough fathers. And that's what the apostolic is. Those who are self-starters, those who build foundations, those who gather people to grow and mature the church, who sustain, equip, and nurture it. And you can do that at all different levels, a microcosm to a large level. You can do it in a family level. All of you have to be apostles at your home. You might be apostolic at your job. Again, this may not speak to all of you because you might be, you know, evangelist pastor, you might be a shepherd person, you might be an evangelistic person. That's good, that's fine. But still understand the purpose and point of the apostolic because we need to see it in the church. So an apostle is a father, walks in that fatherly attitude, and cares as a father. Paul goes on and says, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. So, you know, Paul Paul was talking about how in Corinth they were saying, well, I'm of Apollos, well, I'm of Cephas, well, I'm of Paul. 
Paul said, look, I laid the foundation. Someone else can water. Someone else can cause it to grow. God gives the increase. An apostle is not in competition with anyone else. We want to build the kingdom. Culture builders, don't we? If we're going to be an apostolic church, we don't need to be jealous of the church down the street. We don't need to imitate the church down the street. You know, I've had people call me because they're looking at purchasing the, the uh, Assembly of God building here on 10 Mile. That's for sale. And uh, I've had a few pastors call me. Pastor, would you mind if, if we put a bid on that? I mean, we're so close to you. Great, man. Let's work together. We're going to transform this community. Buy it. I'd rather have someone that I know buy it that wants to work together. So many pastors don't want to work together. So it's, yes, please, buy it, buy it. So we're waiting to see, you know, who's going to be in these positions. We're not in competition. We're doing what we've been called to. You see, if you know what you're called to, anybody that comes alongside, it's like, let's go. And we've always operated that way. And that's what we want to be as apostolic, uh, an apostolic church. And I'm trying to develop apostolic leaders in all of you. And some of you are rising up. You're very apostolic. You're, you're developing ministries. You're moving and you're going. And I don't have to have a stamp on it. I don't have to you know, be a part. Go. Do it. Go. And this is what God is developing in us. And in that culture of the apostolic, you're going to see things birthed continually. And you're going to see people come in, and you're going to see people go. Now, I'm just saying this as a family so that you'll understand it's not bragging, it's not boasting. But we have a number of people in church leadership in a lot of other churches around here who were here and then moved on over there. And what they gained here, they have apostolically imparted there. Isn't that a good thing? That's awesome. Paul goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6-8, through 8, Nor do we seek praise from you or from anyone else, although as apostles of Christ we had opportunity to demand it. On the contrary, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother caring for her children. We cared so deeply that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but even our own lives as well. That's Paul. Now, Paul had a problem. He called it a thorn in the flesh. His thorn in the flesh wasn't a physical malady, as I understand it. It wasn't that, you know, his eyes were bad and he had to write really large, this kind of stuff. I don't think that was the issue. His thorn in the flesh, it's a phrase that's used throughout the Old Testament as an adversary, someone who's working against you. It's a person. Paul's thorn in the flesh were the Judaizers that would follow him. When he would birth a church in Thessalonica, when he would birth a church in uh, uh, Ephesus, when he would birth a church and lay a foundation, the Judaizers would follow and try to wreck his doctrine and infiltrate the church. And they called themselves super apostles. And so Paul talks about them and he says, well, I may not be a super apostle. And Paul obviously was not eloquent of speech. Paul was not that great of a speaker, okay? And that he even says it. He said, I didn't come to you with eloquent speech, but I came to you in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know how well, he was well-educated, well very knowledgeable, 
audience with Jesus. But I don't know how well he spoke. I mean, he spoke late in the night, and some guy fell out of a window, fell asleep on him, and died. That's the kind of speaker you want. <laughs> Boom. Lays hands on him. He's fine. He goes back up and keeps teaching the rest of the night. I'd pay attention to a guy like that. So these super apostles said, I'm not that great. I, I, I can't speak like they can speak. And maybe they're this and maybe they're that. But you know what? I'm bringing you the kingdom. And he said, we went the extra mile. We didn't just, we could have demanded that you uh, give me this and give me that and this kind of an honor and that kind of, call me this and call me Joe and this and that. I'm a slave of Jesus, he said, first of all. And an apostle called out of due season, right? The chief of all sinners. Kept himself low. And as he presented, he said, but you know what we did? We, we labored with you. We labored to birth Jesus in your midst. And we didn't just give you a title. We didn't just give you information. We gave you our lives. And it happens in Thessalonica that he said this. We didn't even ask you for a penny. He said, I labored every day. He was a tent maker. He labored every day at some job so he can get enough cash to stay in the little hotel he had and eat spam till he well, he was, I don't think he would eat spam. <laughs> he ate something else. And he wouldn't even ask for anything from that congregation because all he wanted them to understand is that you need to work to survive, right? Because at Thessalonica, he said, you don't work, you don't eat. I mean, he was like daily teaching them everything as a nursemaid, laying a foundation for their life so that Jesus would be birthed in them and he was doing it with all that he had. And he would leave as an apostle and establish some other teacher, pastor, evangelist to do the work and move on because he's a builder. And that's apostolic. It's not about gaining a name, it's about building a kingdom so that there's only one name that's on the lips of every person, and it's the name of Jesus. We're to be invisible. It's not about us. Sometimes the only reason you have to put a name is so people can identify who is it, where is it, whatever. But when the name becomes more important than Jesus, don't go to those seminars and don't follow those teachers. Now, what we're going to do in this series is this. We're going to take what is apostolic as I defined it for you today and we're going to take the dimensions of what it means to be apostolic and begin to apply it at home, at work, and in your life. This is where Christianity should be. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you came to this building to worship Jesus, to get restored, and to get healed. But if Christianity is only happening here, we're no good. It's a private club. Christianity, the fivefold, Jesus in you, must be demonstrated at your house, in your home. Must be demonstrated in your labor and in your work every day. It's got to be present in your life. People have got to begin realizing that they're seeing Jesus. There's something about you. They're asking for the hope that's within you. And you're able to patiently and with grace and mercy give them an explanation of who Jesus is. So we're going to look at the apostolic in your home. How to nurture and build a foundation of Christianity in your home. 
It goes a lot farther than just having a devotional 10 minutes a day. It has to show up in how you treat each other, how you talk to each other, what you allow into your house. These are all essential things that are apostolic. Look at you build the house you live in. Nobody else does. You create the home you live in. And so we've got to shut all the doors to the enemy, not allow the world to come in. So you have to be apostolic and lay the foundations of what will be and what won't be in your house and, and protect them. At work, you're going to have to realize, how am I going to be apostolic at work? How am I going to build the witness at work? How am I going to bring the culture of heaven into this factory? into this cubicle, right? How am I going to bring that? You're going to have to be apostolic about it. You're going to have to pray into that. You're going to have to figure out where the foundation can begin to be laid. And then you're going to have to equip it. And then you're going to gather others who have that same foundation to do it. Everybody's always wanted a Bible study there, but no one had the guts or the foresight to do it until an apostle showed up and said, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to ask for a room. And on Tuesdays from 12 to 1, during our lunch hour, we're going to have a Bible study. And it's going to be, since they're going to be all different kind of uh, denominations, we're not going to label it Pentecostal or Catholic or this or that. We're just going to study the Bible and talk about it so that we can build up the faith. That's just apostolic. Well, that sounds pretty simple. Right. Really is. But you see, somebody's got to do it. And then we're going to talk about in your life, How are you apostolic in your decision-making? How are you apostolic in how you're living your life? For your health and your well-being, right? You know, we talk about Jesus. How many of you want healing from Jesus? Half the time we want healing from Jesus because of how we wrecked our health. That's not very apostolic. Isn't that true? Right? So when we're in desperate trouble because of the things we've done or what we've been addicted to or our behaviors or our activities, and then we say, Jesus, heal us. That healing could have started 20 years ago before you even picked up that habit. So this is what I'm talking about. This is where we're headed. Amen? Are you agreeing with me? Let's walk in it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for today. We want to learn and we want to grow. We want to be a community, a congregation, Lord God, that's moving in the power of your might, that, Lord, is understanding what you want us to accomplish to form Jesus all around us. And so we thank you for that. Would you stand with me this morning and pray this prayer? Dear Jesus, I avail myself to the Holy Spirit. Ignite in me me. the fivefold gifting gifting. of Jesus' DNA. DNA. May I understand the apostolic. apostolic. And may I become a leader leader. among my peers. I ask you, Jesus, Jesus, to bless this church church. that we would be an apostolic church where Jesus is formed in full maturity. In Jesus' name, amen.